Father, you are good always. God, you're so good to us. In spite of our best attempts to run away, you chase us down and you love us. Father, today we want to worship you. We want to lift you up. God, whatever it takes, God, lead us into deeper relationship with you, God. Whatever you need to take away or give us, whatever you need to do in us, God, we submit to your lordship this morning. We submit to your power, your grace, your mercy. Father, it's because of you we're able to do what we do. We submit to your lordship this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. You can sit down if you want. Man, some good worship, huh? You guys excited to be here this morning? I'm excited that you're here this morning, man. It's good. Are you guys still going to be able to receive if I'm not wearing my jacket? Is that okay? I know you guys probably think I might have fell off, but man, it's it's supposed to be 60 degrees today. So you're lucky I didn't wear shorts. So I'm glad that you guys are here this morning. I want to say welcome to the people that are joining us online. We got 16 people on the Facebook Hey, Robin's watching from Pakistan with our sister church. Linda and Kelly and Diana. Hey, it's nice to see you guys here this morning. I'm watch- it's funny, I'm watching the, the, I'm not on there yet. It looks like it's somebody else. Um, so hello to them. And then I can't really see the YouTube people, but I do want to say hi to the YouTube people as well. Um, hope that you're doing well and you're safe and all that stuff. It's exciting for you to join us online. For the rest of you that are here this morning, um, got a little bit of a different sermon this morning. It's really more of a teaching, and I just want to talk to you guys about the Trinity this morning. There's not going to be a lot of stories. There's not going to be a lot of funny things. If there's anything remotely funny, you have to laugh. Uh, but it's it's just not that type of sermon. It's just not. And so uh, I just want you guys to buckle in and uh, be excited about it. See if you see what you can learn this morning. Uh, if you have a cell phone, I want to encourage you to silence it. Um, because uh, I said that and some people didn't do that first service, even after I said it twice. And it made for an interesting interaction with all of us. Uh, so I want to encourage you to do that if you haven't already. Uh, full attention to the word of God. Amen. All right, let's pray for this message. Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, that it's active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you would use this to redirect our minds, God, that we could appreciate you more, love you more, serve you more, submit to you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 3, we're barreling through it. Here we go. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Um, 
This is, uh, man, this is a thick portion of scripture. Literally books could be written. Uh, there's two large portions of this. One is, remember John's preaching the baptism of repentance and Jesus comes and submits to John's baptism. He repents and he's baptized, uh, or he does the baptism of repentance. He didn't have to repent. Um, and then right after that, he gets uh, at his baptism, uh, the word comes from father in heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Son comes out of the water. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a, like a dove. And so this is my, uh, or descended on him in bodily form. And so there's two big components to this scripture. One is the baptism of Jesus. The other one is, I think it's a great opportunity for us to talk about the triune nature, the Trinity, as it pertains to the God in which we serve. I'm not talking about Jesus's baptism this morning. And some of you might say, well, I thought we don't skip over stuff here. We don't. I just preached a very robust sermon about the baptism of Jesus uh, in Mark. So uh, uh, you can go back online. I highly encourage you to listen to it. Uh, it's just as true today as it was five years ago when I preached it. This is the great thing about technology. Um, I, I, I wanted to just kind of re-preach it because then I wouldn't have to write a sermon this week. Um, but I, I thought it better to just say, hey, just go back and listen to it because it's really good. Uh, not just because I preached it, but because it's just really good content so you can learn more about what, why, why did Jesus have to be baptized? So don't say, why did we skip over this part? We didn't. It's on you. Go back and listen to it. So today we're going to talk about the Trinity, uh, and it's going to be interesting for some of you. Why, why do we need to talk about the triune nature of God? Um, uh, I want to start off by preaching the whole entire sermon by showing you a graphic. Do you guys have that graphic? Can we put that one up? So <clears throat> the Trinity can be understood very simply. We serve God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, um, the God of the Old Testament, the New Testament. It's all God. Okay. Uh, God is one, but he's manifested in three persons, the father, uh, who's father, God, the son, who's Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit. Now, this diagram attempts to try to explain the complexities of God and that God is the father, but he's not the son. He's not Jesus, but Jesus is God, but he's not the father. And the Holy Spirit is God, but the Holy Spirit isn't Jesus and he isn't the father, but he's still God. Right? So this, this graphic, if you can understand this graphic, you can understand the Trinity and, um, it explains all of what it is, is that it's all God, but all of them are distinct. They're equal, but they're not the same, but they're all one and the same. Does that make sense? Raise your hand, raise your hand if you remotely understand that. Perfect. Let's pray and leave and head out to lunch. You can get the best, best seats. <laughs> Cause that's, that's really it. And, and that's what I'm going to try to explain today. Um, it's not, it's not easy because it's, this is a confusing doctrine in Christianity. Uh, but it's important that you understand it because when you go out to the world, this is, uh, something that people talk about. This is something that people want to challenge you about. Uh, when you talk to like a Jehovah witness, a Jehovah witness will say to you, well, you believe in three gods and you worship three gods, but you can't really articulate to them why that isn't true. Jehovah witnesses are not Christians. They're not. And so, uh, it's important for you to understand the reason why they are not Christians is because they do not believe in the triune nature of our God. They do not believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. They don't believe that Jesus is God. They just believe he's completely separate. Uh, separate. If you don't believe that, you cannot call yourself a Christian. It's the same reason why Mormons do not believe that Jesus is God. They're not Christians. You can't say that they are because that's not what they believe. Uh, and, and you say, well, that's kind of mean, isn't it? I'm not being mean. I'm just being honest. 
right? It's the reason why uh, we, we can't worship with Muslims. People say, well, Muslims believe in Jesus. They believe in a Jesus, but they don't believe that Jesus was God. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know why this is. My wife reminded me of this. The false religions always want to attack the deity of Jesus Christ. It's the first thing that they go after. Uh, and, and why? Because Jesus is the most powerful ever. I mean, he saves us from our sins and, and, and was God in the flesh. And so they attack the deity of Jesus as a means to attack our faith. People will come at us and talk to us about these things. And we don't really have anything to say back to them. So we're just like, well, this person knows how to argue with me, but I don't know how to defend what I believe. And so it's important for us to internalize this so that we can talk to people that come to us and know, and we should be able to just know it for ourselves because understanding the richness of the Trinity helps us love and worship God more effectively. Amen. Um, and this verse to me is really central to the, uh, to the doctrine of the Trinity. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We see all three happening at the same time. The father, the voice, the Holy spirit, Jesus, all three of them one. And, and, and for people that would say, well, it's all God and, and it is God, but it, some people believe that like, well, God was up in heaven and then he quickly ran down and he got into the water and then he jumped out of the water and then the Holy spirit came back down. And that's like, that's not, that's not what we believe. We believe that all three were operating at the exact same time. Um, <clears throat> And, and people will say this, that they say, uh, the, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. And, and I would say, well, there's no English words in the Bible. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, just because there are many things that you believe about God and his nature that, that we're going to get into that are not in the Bible at all, but yet you believe them. And so people will say, well, because the word Trinity is not in the Bible, we shouldn't believe that. We shouldn't say that, but that's just not true because there's a lot of things that we say and believe that aren't in the Bible. Um, Elohim, if you guys ever heard that word before, uh, Elohim is actually a pluralistic word. Uh, this is why the Jews would say the Lord, our God is one Lord because they, they understand the pluralistic nature of God long before Messiah came because they understood that. Uh, John Wesley was a old timey preacher. And he said this in preaching on the Trinity, it is our duty to believe according to the word of God, but we're not called to comprehend <laughs> that is impossible. Bring me a worm that can comprehend a man, and I will show you a man that can comprehend God. If three candles were burning in a room, the light is but one. And, and, and as this is a, this is going to be my, I'm not sure this is my best attempt, but it's, it's my best attempt to try to explain the, tri, the triune nature of God, and it's going to fall short. It's not effective enough. Why? Because how can a, how can a worm up comprehend God? I just don't have that kind of mental capacity to be able to comprehend everything that God is. We will one day, but this is what we do know. We know that God manifests himself as one in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all distinct. They're all separate. They're all equal, but they're all God. Isaiah 55, 8, 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We always put humanity on God. 
We, we try to try to understand God in a way that we don't even understand ourselves because we are, as Pastor Jay would say, meaning making creatures. We want to make meaning where there's no meaning and we want to make sense where there isn't made to make sense. I'm completely fine and comfortable with the mysteries of God. I'm completely fine with the saying, I don't know. I don't know, but this is how I best understand it. This is how I best describe it. Why, why is this important? Because if the doctrine of the Trinity isn't believed, then a person's salvation is at stake. Literally, your salvation rests within the Trinity because if Jesus was just a human being, then that means that he inherited the sin nature of Adam. And so if he inherited the sin nature of Adam, that means he wasn't God and that means that he wasn't perfect. So we're believing in a savior that's not truly a savior if Jesus was just man. Uh, I didn't come up with this. I think it was Josh McDowell that said it. When it comes to Jesus, you really only have three options. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. That's it. Because any man that would say that he is, say that he was God and he's not God, he would be a liar. And anybody that would say he was God and he's not God, if he wasn't a liar, which would be better, he's a lunatic, right? If somebody says that they're God and they're not God, that means they're crazy. So the only other option is, is that he was Lord and he was God in the flesh. And, and so if we don't believe that God uh, came down in, in Jesus and that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, our salvation's at stake because we're believing in a man to save us, not in God himself to be able to save us. Um, and if he is not God and he's just a created being, then he couldn't be a perfect sacrifice. In John chapter one, verse 29, it says, John the Baptist, uh, the next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to take away the sins of the world. And so the only way he could do that is for him to be God in the flesh. That's the only way that it was possible. Um, if the doctrine of the Trinity isn't true, then that means that our salvation is not by faith. It would be by works. Because uh, if, if Jesus came and he says, I am God, and he said it in John chapter one, excuse me, John chapter eight, verse 58, he said, Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. That's a strong statement. He's not, he's not just saying I am in the same way. Like Susan say, Hey, uh, who's going to make the burritos today? And like, I am like, no, it's, um, uh, it's, it's a, when Jesus says I am, that's in connection when in the old Testament, God said, tell him that I am is the one that sent you. Um, and that I am statement of Jesus is saying, I am Jehovah God. I am, I am Yahweh. I, that is me. I am the, I am. Uh, and, and so it's a very, very distinct statement. But if we can't receive that by faith, then we're, we're actually working for our salvation instead of placing our faith in the fact that Jesus was the ultimate perfect sacrifice, God in the flesh, able to save us from all of our sins. How can we trust Jesus if he wasn't God, if he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the father except through me. When Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I and the father are one. How, how can you not believe that? Because if it's not true, again, we, we can't trust anything that Jesus says. It's so vitally important that we believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. And again, people say the word Trinity isn't found in the Bible, but it shouldn't rule out its teaching. Here's an interesting word that every single one of you use that isn't in the Bible. Do you know what word isn't in the Bible? Bible. That's funny. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, it's... Uh, yeah. People use that word all the time, but the word Bible is not in the Bible. We use the word Bible to signify what the canon of our scriptures are. Yeah. 
right? Are. We say this is the Bible, but people don't fight that. Oh, don't use the word Bible. That word's not in the Bible. <laughs> you get that one later. That was really good. But you've said it, you've believed it, you've defended it, and Trinity is exactly the same. Bible says in Colossians 2, 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And Godhead is just another descriptive word that we use for the word Trinity, the triune nature. One God and distinct three people, it's the Godhead. That's who it is. Uh, it's derived from the Latin word Trinitas, which means the number three. And, it, and it's begun to stand for us as Christians as three in the unity of one or triunity. And it's, and it's a word that we use to try to express the triune nature of God, uh, one God and three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, but there's still only one God. Don't get it twisted. They're, they're not separate uh, from each other. It's always one God. Uh, the, the Trinity is where we worship one God manifested in those three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And they're equal in being and power and holiness. Um, they're all different, but they're all the same. Uh, this is why when we pray, we can pray to God the Father. That's why we can pray to Jesus. That's why we can pray to the Holy Spirit. This is why we can worship God. We can worship Jesus. We can worship the Holy Spirit. And what happens is that sometimes people get it twisted and they get this idea in their head and they say, well, uh, and I'll use an example of prayer where people say, Father, send your Holy Spirit. And that's true that God can send his spirit, but God's spirit is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not God's spirit. The Holy Spirit is distinct and equal and separate, and he is God. And so we can actually pray to the Holy Spirit. We can say, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Holy Spirit, I love you. Holy Spirit, have your way. In the same way that we can pray to Jesus and we can worship Jesus and we can worship God the Father, we can say God, we can say Jehovah God, we can say all the different names and attributes that we can ascribe to God, but having a, a, a robust prayer life that's able to connect with all the three manifestations of God will help you deepen your relationship with him. Amen? Because what happens is that we pray, Holy Spirit, come, and the Holy Spirit shows up. God the Father is manifesting as the Holy Spirit, but he hasn't left heaven right? God is still in the, and Jesus is still there at the right hand of the father supplicating for the saints. But the Holy spirit is now manifested in our presence. And it's the spirit of Jesus and God. That's all here together doing the same thing. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Some of you are like, huh? <laughs> Listen, let me, let me explain it. Let me explain it to you another way. It's like this right now. My name is Matt. It's a pleasure to meet you. I am, I am your pastor. Right, my my kids are not here right now. They were here in first service. Simultaneously, I'll use my wife as an example. She likes being the example. Right now, I am I am preaching to my wife, but I am her pastor in this in this moment. I haven't stopped being her husband, even though I'm actively pastoring her at the same time. She is also my sister in Christ. Simultaneously, while I am still her husband and I am still her pastor. She's also a friend to me. She's a companion to me. All, all of those things are manifest, but it doesn't change the nature of who I am. Same thing with my son. He is my son. I am his father. I am his pastor. He is my brother. At times we can be friends. It doesn't change. Why is that funny? Listen, he might forget that I'm his dad, but I never forget. Yeah, we're friendly. One day we'll become friends. When he's 100% doing everything for himself, we're going to be the best friends. 
So you got your own house, you're paying your own bills, and you're cleaning up after yourself. There's times we're friends, but not there yet. I hope this doesn't sound confusing or a contradiction, but it's important to understand that we're not saying that God is three people. We're saying that God is one God that is in three. Amen? So the Bible makes it very clear that there's, there's only one God. Don't, don't get it twisted. Isaiah 43, 10, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me. There was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. There is only one God. There is no other God. I don't want you to come out here and say, well, he taught about three gods. No, there's only one God. And, and the, the mystery of God is that God is a mystery. That's why he has the name tag God. You say, well, where, where is God? Uh, or, or where did God come from? He didn't come from anywhere because he was always God. Nobody created God. God just always was. He always has existed. Before me, there was no God formed, nor there shall be after me. Isaiah 45, 21, who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a just God and Savior. There is none besides me. Again, this oneness uh, of, of God from the plurality is seen in the Jewish faith. They say it, Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, and even having to declare that the Lord is one is declaring that there is a pluralistic sense of God that must be declared to say, even though he might manifest himself pluralistically, uh, God is still one. Now, um, it, with, within the Hebrew language, there's two words, ikad and yahid, and those are two words that talk about the language of one. Now, yahid is the absolute single uh, oneness or singleness, leaving no room for any other meaning than one and one alone, right? So the, the example of that would be uh, like one banana, like one banana is one banana, but a group of bananas is still bananas, Right? It's still a group of things that have made up one, but they're still bananas. But one single banana is still a banana. Right? Yeah. Let me give you another example. Uh, God's plan for marriage. In Genesis, when it talks about a husband and wife becoming one, ikad, flesh. They're no longer two, but they're made one. There's, there's two distinct individuals that have become one. Uh, when it talks about in the land of Canaan, when they had a cluster of grapes or many grapes that make up one cluster in, in Numbers 13, 23, this is that same idea of a bunch of things becoming one thing. Uh, in the creation account in Genesis chapter th- uh, one, verse five, there's two parts to a day. There's morning and night, but those two things make up one thing. They make up a day. This plurality of oneness is seen in the plural language that's used for God. Uh, People will argue and say, well, we believe in three gods. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God manifested three different ways. Genesis chapter one, verse 26, it says, let us make man in our limit image according to our likeness. That's what it says in Genesis. Genesis chapter one uh, is so distinctly uh, connected to John chapter one, verse one, John chapter one, verse one in the in the beginning was was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. So it was in the beginning. And, and that logos word of Jesus is this idea 
that in the creation account, when God says, let us make man in our own image, Jesus was there with God the Father uh, creating man. Uh, When God breathed his life into Adam, in the same way that God breathed his life into Jesus, he was breathing life into himself so he could manifest and come down uh, to heaven, from heaven to be with man. But the creation account of Jesus goes together with the creation account of Adam and that Jesus is a last Adam from the first Adam. Adam was born into sin because he, uh, he took on sin, but Jesus had no sin because he didn't ha- he wasn't the seed of Adam. He was the seed of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but the two of them, again, they go together because of the creation account that goes together with Jesus being there at creation. This is why Jesus could say, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I'm the first and I'm the last. Alpha being the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega being the last. Um, uh, and saying I'm the Alpha and Omega is basically saying I'm every word that was ever spoken. Uh, I'm everything that you'll ever, that you'll ever hear and know about who God is. And Jesus is the word. Jesus is the spoken word of God. He is the essence of who, what God wanted us to know about who he was. Um, he's all of it. Uh, in, in, uh, in the apostle John's first letter, uh, he says in first John five, seven, he said, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the father, the word, Jesus, and the Holy spirit. These three are one. This is why you cannot separate God's word from who he is. You just can't. This is, this is why people say, well, you know, I'm just a red letter Christian, but that's a lie from the pit of hell. Uh, it, it really is. What that is, is, is that's a way to cheapen God. It's a way to cheapen his word. It's actually, if you really got down to it, it's a way for people to choose uh, a life of sin that they can live how they want to live without being held accountable to the entire word of God. Um, and, and that's why I just don't believe that uh, Jesus is in revelation. He's in Genesis. He's in Habakkuk. He's the word. And, and, and that is the manifestation that God gave us so that we can understand him even greater. That's why the word is so powerful and why it's so important. Uh, in Jesus, in his great commission in Matthew 28, 19, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. And, and this is also seen in the Old Testament, Isaiah 48, where it says that the Lord God has sent me and his spirit, sent me and his spirit. That, that part of, of being sent by God as Messiah and the spirit going with you and God being in there, again, and what I'm trying to explain to you is that pluralistic nature of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament, because people will say it's something that was created in the New Testament, but it just wasn't. It was still there in the Old Testament as well. Have you guys ever heard of like a Christophany? Like a Christophany is where you get a manifestation of God uh, as Jesus in the Old Testament. It's like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're in the fiery service, and the fiery furnace, and they looked and they saw a man that looked like God that was inside the fiery furnace with them. That was Jesus. Jesus showed up there. It's uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah when Jesus showed up. Um, all those times are manifestations of of, of Jesus uh, during the time. Like when, when it says that Adam used to walk in the garden in the cool of the day, uh, he would walk with God. God is a spirit. God is not flesh and blood. So I, I believe it was Jesus that was walking there in the garden with Adam because Jesus is uh, the fleshness of God. Because uh, And while Jesus was there, God the Father wasn't on the throne. Uh, he was still there because one in three. Each one of these is God. The Father is God. And this is not something that people, people never, again, people never seem to argue about the fatherness of God. They, they believe that. 
Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. He said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And, and that word hallowed is to say that God is holy, that God is, God is uh, to be revered, and God is to be worshipped. Um, Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And Isaiah also goes on to talk about how God is our redeemer and he is our Lord. And, and when Jesus talks about God, the father is being holy and God, the father is being our redeemer. And then simultaneously uh, says he is holy and says that he is going to be redeemer. He can only say that if he is God, the father as well. If he, if he's, if he's saying that and he's not that again, liar, lunatic or Lord. Isaiah 63, 16, doubtless you are our father, though Abraham is ignorant of us and Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our father. Our redeemer from everlasting is your name. Now stay with me because there are going to be more scriptures. Uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, 3, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. God was the father of Jesus Christ, but we're going to see in more scriptures that Jesus is still God. People again, people want to argue this point, but it's very clear in scripture that Jesus is God, but the father is, is distinct and equal and separate from Jesus. We cannot separate them and we cannot say that they are not all one in the same. Jesus Christ is God. He's not a teacher. He's not a man. He is not just God's son. He is God in the flesh. Concerning himself as Messiah, the the Bible says that God will send himself to come and save us. This is why David was not Messiah. And this is why Solomon couldn't be Messiah and all these other messiahs. Because only God himself could come as a perfect sacrifice. It's it's literally as if God looked down and said, all these people are so flawed. I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to take care of this myself. I've got to come down. I'm the only one that's perfect. I'm the only one that's holy. I've got to be the ultimate sacrifice to save these people from their sins. There's no other way. We're getting close to Christmas. Who's excited? I'm excited too. I've never been more excited for Christmas than I am this year. Um, except when I was a kid and I got Star Wars toys. Uh, and so in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, it says, for unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. It declared that when Jesus comes, he's going to be father. He's going to be mighty God. He's not just a man. He's not just a good moral teacher. As a sign to the people, Isaiah said that Messiah will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The prophet Jeremiah gave the same description and name to the Messiah, that his name has never been given to any other, only to the Lord God himself. In his days, excuse me, Jeremiah 23, 6, in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called. His name will be called the, the Lord, our righteousness, the Lord, our righteousness. And, and Jeremiah could only give that name to God himself. And if Jesus wasn't God, then we are all being duped because he is our righteousness. And that idea of righteousness is so important to understanding our salvation because when we stand before God on judgment day one day and we, and God says, why should I let you into my kingdom? We say, I have no right or reason to be allowed into your kingdom. I'm worthless and I'm nothing. 
except for my righteousness that I have in Christ Jesus. I've put my faith in him. I've put my hope in him that he will go before you, Father, and he will advocate for you. And God says, that's okay, because that's me. I'm already advocating for you. I've already forgiven you because it was me that forgave you in the first place. Did you not know that we're together, but we're separate and we're equal? We're all one and the same? Hopefully y'all can be able to sleep tonight. (laughs) Only the Lord is righteous. Only God the Father. Only Jesus can be righteous. John brings out the deity of Jesus who identifies in the word as the word in John 1, 1. We talked about it. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. That means there's nothing that wasn't created that Jesus didn't have his hands on. This is why I said this a lot when we were going through first and second Samuel. People will say things, and this is what, what frustrates me, is people say, well, Jesus came to show us that God is a God of love. And, and Jesus did show us that God is a God of love. But, but the same God that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same God. Yeah. God has not changed his nature. He hasn't changed his character. He, he's exactly who he was. And people say, well, the God of the Old Testament was a God of judgment. No, he wasn't. He was God. Yeah. Yeah, you Read your Bibles. He was merciful and loving and caring and forgiving. His nature was completely clear through the Old Testament. And it's completely clear through the New Testament that Jesus does not put up with a bunch of knuckleheads that are going to live in their sins in the same way that Yahweh didn't do it in the Old Testament. But what happens is that, again, people want to twist the scriptures to serve their own ways because they want to be able to say, I can live in my sin and live however I want, and I'm not going to have to live under the judgment of God. So I want to say that Jesus is, Jesus is all love, and that's just what he wants us to be. But they don't read their Bibles. Shortest sermon Jesus ever preached, remember Lot's wife. He was there. Shortest sermon he ever preached, remember Lot's wife. God is love. He is love, but he is a God of judgment and wrath. He's a God of righteousness and mercy and forgiveness. He's all those things. John eight fifty eight. most assuredly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Exodus three fourteen, And this is the very name God gave when Moses asked him, who shall I say sent me? The Lord said, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And here's another part of it. And I, and I think that, that, that people uh, have a struggle with this the most. I think Christians struggle with this the most. They have no problem with God the Father. They have no problem with Jesus the Son. And, and, and most, I would say all Christians wouldn't have a problem with Jesus being God in the flesh. But then they just kind of forget the Holy Spirit. I feel like the Holy Spirit's like that uncle that never gets invited, you know? Um, <laughs> He's part of the family, but he's kind of weird and we don't really understand him that much. And so it's just kind of easier to just be like, we're with the father and we're with the son, but old uncle, Holy spirit, he just, you know, sometimes he says things that are weird and, you know, I mean, makes us do weird things. So it's just, it's a little bit easier just kind of throw him out. But, but, but that's, that's not what God wants at all. I mean, frankly, the Holy spirit is the best part of the whole deal. Because the Holy Spirit is the indwelling power of God inside of us. 
I mean, and, and people get weirded out about things like speaking in tongues and prophecy and, and healings. Dude, that's the fun stuff. I mean, that, that's the, like when you, when you, when you're sitting there worshiping or in the word and you feel the tinglies, you're like, whoop, what was that? Right. That's the Holy Spirit. When you get a revelation as you're reading the Bible, that's the Holy Spirit. When you're driving alone in your car and you're worshiping, you got to pull over because you're weeping and you can't drive anymore. That's the Holy Spirit. You should be excited about it because that's God. That's God the Father. He's ministering to you. That's Jesus inside of you. The Bible says we are temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we've got God's Spirit. We, excuse me. We've got God Himself living inside of us because the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow streams of living water. That stream of living water is God Himself. In Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, there's a story about these people, Ananias and Sapphira. And they had uh, done a dirty deed and they were supposed to give money uh, to the church after they sold a piece of land. They didn't do it. And so uh, uh, Peter says to them, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. The Holy Spirit is God. And, and, and that scripture describes that again, first Corinthians three sixteen. do you not know that you're, that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells inside of you as the Holy spirit is inside of me. And I believe the Holy spirit lives inside of me. God, the father has not relinquished his throne and Jesus is not there, uh, not supplicated on behalf of the father. This, this is why you must be born again, both of the water and of the spirit, that you can't live uh, the, the, the Christian life without God himself living inside of you. Do you receive the spirit of Jesus is receive the Holy Spirit because Jesus is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God that we can pray to the spirit, be forgiven by the spirit, be loved by the spirit. And we see these attributes of the Holy Spirit here. Who believes that God is omnipresent? Did you know that word isn't in the Bible? Oh, why do you believe that he's omnipresent if that word is not in the Bible? He's everywhere all the time, even though the word omnipresent isn't in the Bible. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? Psalm 139, 7. Do you believe that God and God's omnipotence? That word's not in the Bible. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, Zechariah 4, 6. Do you believe in God's omniscience, that he is all-knowing? Yes. And that word's not found in the? Bible. And what? The word Bible is not found in the? <laughs> yeah, the, the break room's going to be on fire this week. When you're at work, people start talking about the Trinity. Give it to them, because that's... Uh, uh, Nick, I, I had this in my notes and, and Nick Johnson helped me after first service. He said, that's what I use when I'm arguing with people all the time. I said, if they want to argue about the Trinity, he said, do you believe that God is om, uh, omnipotent? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, why? That word's not in the Bible. <laughs> do you believe in God's omniscience that he is all knowing, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit for the spirit searches all things. Yes. The deep things of God. No one knows the things of God, except the spirit of God. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we can see this 
part of the Holy Spirit's personality and that they ha- the Holy Spirit has the ability to teach, John 14, 26, conviction of sin, John 16, 7. The Holy Spirit is grieved and has feelings, Ephesians 4, 30. Uh, the Holy Spirit has intellect, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12. The Holy Spirit has a will, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. And there's a lot of different analogies that we can use. But remember, these analogies are so limiting because people will say things like <clears throat> water is like the Trinity. Water can be a solid, a gas, and a liquid, right? A solid as ice, a liquid as liquid, and it can be a gas as steam. It's all still water. An egg has an outer part, a yolk, and a... White, it's all God. An apple has a core and a skin and flesh. It's all one apple. Uh, Those are just limiting. The the reality is, is that God is a pluralistic individual God that is manifested in three persons that is all equal, all distinct, yet all separate. Uh, We are humans. We have a body. We live in this body, we have a spirit. If you were to die today, your body would still be there. Your spirit would no longer be there. No, your intellect would no longer be there. But as you live, breathe and die, you have an intellect, you have a spirit and you have a body. Uh, and there's all these different things that have to do with who God is that we just have to get down in our spirit so that we can better understand who he is. Amen. And when it all comes down to it and you get to this point, you say, pastor, I don't, uh, I, I still don't get it, man. It's all a matter of faith. Yeah. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it, it says without faith, it is impossible to please God. I, I can't even explain myself. Yeah. I, I don't even understand myself. And so how can I understand or explain an inexplainable under, uh, uh, a God that's not fathomable, yeah. right? Yeah. We, we can't do it. It just has to come down to faith. So we can conclude that what we must believe by faith is that God is one, that God is a trinity. He exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that each one is equally God. I'll finish today with 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. 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 Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus and you'd like to be forgiven of your sins, the Holy Spirit would like to introduce you to him. The Holy Spirit would like to come and live inside of you. Father God has manifested himself in bodily form through Jesus to save you from your sins so that you could live forever with Jesus. And if you've never made that decision, you've never said, I want to be a Christian. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to be set free. If you've never made that decision before and you'd like to do that for the first time, we'd like to pray with you this morning. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I'd like to be a Christian this morning. I'd like to be forgiven. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision for the very first time? Maybe you've been far from God. Not a day, not a week. You've been gone. You say, pastor, I don't know what happened, but I lost my way. I was walking with Christ. Me and him were close. I was living for him and now I'm no longer living for him and I don't know how to come back. Today is your day. Today's the day you're coming back to Jesus. He loved you when you were his enemy. How much more so now that he calls you son or daughter? If you need to come back to Jesus today, I'd like to pray with you. Is there anybody that wants to rededicate their life to Jesus today? Hand held high. Father, we thank you 
for this word today. God, we thank you that you're a, God, you make sense to you and we tried to make best sense out of it today. But God, we worship you. Holy Spirit, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. We need you. We thank you that you manifest yourself so distinctly to minister to our needs because we need you to be in our lives. We need you to be more than a God that lives in the heavens. We need a God that lives within us. And so we thank you for that. Father, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for watching. Love you. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.